Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Kingswood Investment Strategy Conference Call. My name is Lee Philpott. I'm the head of wealth at Kingswood Group. And today we're going to be speaking to Richard Jeffrey, who's our chairman of our investment committee, and Rupert Thompson, our chief investment officer, in terms of some of the challenges which we're seeing around markets, uh, the economic impact of coronavirus, and the things that we're doing to assist in managing your wealth. The, the forum for today is that I'm going to propose and moderate this session with Richard and Rupert. I'm going to submit the questions which have been um, identified in advance of this call, and they will respond giving their views of where we go from here. We will be recording this session, so it will be available for replay after the event, and we will also hold a follow-up call in a week's time for any questions which aren't addressed today. The questions come through in a number of themes, which I will cover. And I'd like to start off with Richard, if I can ask you for your general observations of the world and where you think we are at the moment. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to be talking to everyone, uh, although I wish it was in rather more auspicious circumstances. What I'd like to do is give you a broad overview about how we see things developing. The, the word unprecedented has probably been the single most used description of the current crisis, and unprecedented it is, at least within living memory. Normally, when there's been a downturn in the economy, it's been brought about by a tightening in government policy designed to control a previous upturn, which has become overheated. On this occasion, the downturn is more the consequence of governments internationally deliberately and directly shutting down significant parts of their own economies. We have no prior experience of what the consequences of this may be, so analysis of previous recessions doesn't provide that many insights. In the first instance, the biggest impact uh, is through the hit to cash flows within and between sectors in the economy and also between different countries. So the government's actions to mitigate the impact of a cash flow squeeze are highly appropriate and deservedly huge. For individuals, this means trying to maintain income flows at near normal levels. For companies, it means making sure they have adequate access to credit and that immediate calls from the government on their cash uh, are halted or slowed down. The objective is to prevent the cash flow squeeze from causing widespread company failures and also trying to limit the impact on household incomes and employment. The speed of the government's policy reaction, I think, has been pretty good, although implementation is still going to be very challenging. And the government cannot take all the strain however positive its actions may be. The Bank of England has also moved quickly, though its decision to loosen controls on the banks that might inhibit their ability to lend uh, is more important than the much more eye-catching cuts in interest rates, which probably won't have that much impact. From our position now, it is very difficult to judge what the eventual impact on the wider economy might be or how long it will last or what the recovery will look like. However, it seems sensible to assume that national output and income will drop by at least 5% this year and more likely by closer to 10%. This will be led by a fall in household spending in most non-food areas. Now, in a normal recession, it is the manufacturing sector that is hardest hit. In this situation, services industries, which make up most of the economy, are likely to be hit equally hard and the leisure industry is clearly one that will suffer more acutely. 
Because of the shock to the system, households and companies are likely to become much more risk-averse. This is likely to be reflected in lower capital investment by companies and a higher level of savings amongst households. The speed of the recovery from the crisis will in part depend on how quickly risk aversion is replaced by greater optimism. Now, I'd like to make one final observation, and that is about the weakness in the pound. The UK, as an economy, has run a large trade and current account deficit for quite a long period. In effect, since the late 1990s, we have been spending more than we have been earning. Now, this has been balanced by inflows of capital into the economy, reflecting overseas companies investing in the UK and buying UK companies, and also overseas individuals buying UK assets and holding some of their wealth in sterling. In the current situation, these sorts of inflows are likely to come to a halt for a period and maybe even reverse. Since the pound is not a natural safe haven currency, this creates quite a strong headwind. However, a weakening pound is not necessarily a wholly bad thing, since it raises the value of profits earned overseas when they're translated into sterling, and these profits are a major source of earnings for UK companies. At the same time, a weaker pound coinciding with lower commodity and energy costs should help UK competitiveness once the economy does start to recover. Now, I'm afraid this is necessarily a rather gloomy overview, so uh, I'd like to end on a note of optimism. Before this current crisis, there was evidence that the UK was outperforming its main European competitors, ranking towards the top of the G7 Growth League. In the longer term, I remain convinced that it will re-emerge as one of the stronger major economies. Thank you, Richard. Just passing over to you, given some of Richard's um, comments there, particularly on household spending, the shock to the, shock to the service sector. How much of this do you think is currently in the price in markets? They're pretty good at anticipating what is going to happen. Um, and how long do you think this recovery may potentially take from markets? Two, two easy questions for me, then. Um, in terms of how much is already in the price, well, just to start with how much equity markets have already fallen, and the answer here is they are down um, around 30% um, from their highs. And it feels like a long time, but actually this bear market has actually been only running for a month. In 30 days, markets have fallen 30%. And actually what this suggests is that um, a lot of the bad news is now in the price. Um, the typical decline you see in a bear market is actually um, around 30%. So if this is no worse than normal, and clearly given Richard's comments, there is a risk that it could be significantly worse than normal. But if it isn't, and we do start to see a recovery in growth later in the year um, as the containment measures start to work, and as the enormous policy stimulus, which has now been announced both on the fiscal side and the monetary side, as Richard just said, starts to feed through, then if that, is, if that does just translate into a normal recession, and we start to emerge, then possibly you've seen the extent of the declines. The risk, though, clearly is that, as Rich has already said, this is unprecedented. We do see a decline of 5 or 10% in GDP, and that actually we could see um, significantly more declines in the near term. So um, it's not so much that we think um, we're necessarily at the bottom now. What we're more confident of is that in a year's time, or even maybe at the end of the year, 
if things work out, that actually equity prices should be significantly higher than where they are now. In terms of the um, duration of these falls and how soon we're going to see a bottom, again, um, it's pretty obvious to say, but there's obviously still massive uncertainty out there in terms of how quickly these containment measures will work. Um, so it's very difficult to say how long this is going to last. Um, as I've already said, um, the declines feel like an age, but they've, they've actually only been going on for a month. And the typical bear market does last for significantly longer. So we're certainly not saying we, the markets are bottoming at the moment. What we are saying, though, is that we should probably see a bottom in the next few weeks, next few months, and that if that does happen, then markets should subsequently recover. The other point to bear in mind here is that the recoveries in markets tend to be pretty fast. So it's very easy to feel tempted at this kind of stage to say, you know, we should be selling out now, there's panic in the air, it can only get worse. And definitely it could get worse short term, but in practice, it's pretty difficult to get out and get back in at the right moment in order to make money. So very much here, we're taking a more medium-term, long-term view. And on that view, on a one-year view, we think equity markets um, should be higher rather than lower from here and possibly significantly, even if in the meantime, they go down a bit further. Thank you. I think this comes after the end, and as you said, a very short-term end to a very long bull market. Um, the most popular question submitted actually was around the last bear market, which we saw 2008 time with the, the great financial crisis. So, um, Richard, maybe over to you. Do you see similarities between uh, the situation then and, and where we are now? I don't see that many similarities between the situation after the financial crisis and, and where we are now. Um, the financial crisis w was brought about by excessive lending uh, and all sorts of other excessive behaviors in, in the, uh, the period before. Um, that has not been the case this time uh, around. So I think the, the ability of the economy to, to rebound should be better this time around. I think what is important, though, when you look at this situation compared with the financial crisis, is the speed of reaction and the extent of the reaction from both the Treasury and the Bank of England. They have moved very, very quickly, and that perhaps does reflect lessons learnt from uh, the financial crisis. And should there be a recession, would you envisage that therefore may not be as deep or as long as uh, otherwise may be the case? Well, there is going to be a recession. It started, um, and I think that there's, there's no doubt it's going to be deep, uh, and potentially it is going to be deeper than recessions that we've seen in, in the past. It's, it's certainly, I think, the decline in, in economic activity is going to be much faster. Um, but I think it, it, it almost certainly will, will be, uh, uh, will be a, a bigger uh, recession. How long it's going to last and what the recovery looks like, um, those are very difficult to say at the moment because in terms of how long it lasts, that rather depends on how quickly the government is going to be able to uh, uh, release some of the constraints it's currently imposed on, on the economy. And that is difficult to, uh, to know. We just don't have the, the knowledge of this disease to, to be able to, to say that. The, the problem here is that the, the longer I think the downturn lasts, that then um, the longer it's going to be before 
people change their behavior back to, to, to where it was. In other words, they're likely to remain more risk-averse in their behavior for, for longer, so the recovery will be uh, necessarily not, not quite as quick. Uh, and I think this is something that, that we're going to see uh, emerge, obviously, as, as, the, uh, as the months proceed. But I think it, it's, it's diff difficult to give a hard and fast answer now. Okay, thank you. Rufa, just picking up on, on that point about we are, we are now in a recession, we're unsure how long it may last for. Um, some questions that have come from clients around their, their portfolios and, and reacting to that. Accepting your point about recoveries can come quite quickly, uh, but some feeling of should clients actually still be de-risking from these levels and moving further into to cash? Well, our short answer is no, you shouldn't be. Unless you've got a very short-term horizon, unless you're very risk-averse, then our basic view is that it's, in a way, too late to sell. Um, it's also, I think, too, too early to buy in size, but essentially to sell from these levels, even if you think markets are, say, going to fall another 10% or so, the chances are you will not get back in at the bottom, and in the first six months of recovery, you typically see a 25% gain. So unless you're sort of very risk-averse, um, I don't think you should be selling at these levels, even if you think markets can fall a bit further, which they certainly can do. I mean, if you do, if we did see a return of the global financial crisis, uh, bursting of the tech bubble, then it's true that markets could fall 50% from the highs, whereas they're only down 30% or so. But even in those cases, even in the global financial crisis, when markets were down 50% plus, within two or three years, in total return terms, actually for UK equities, you'd regain those losses within two or three years. So it is quite dangerous, I think, to sell at these levels unless you've got particular reason to do so. Okay, thank you. Um, one of the, the, the key strategies that we run is around diversified portfolios across different asset classes. Uh, in our recent communication, we, we explained we were relatively neutrally positioned. Could you just maybe give a bit of color around what that means for, for the way we manage money? Sure. Um, well, maybe it's better, to, before I go into the detail, maybe it's just better to give a bit of background in terms of how we were positioned going into the crisis. Um, back in January, one way of putting it would be we were cautiously optimistic. And what that meant, we were effectively neutral on equities. And what I mean by that is for our discretionary clients, our equity weighting was in line with the neutral weighting um, appropriate for that particular risk profile. So for a balanced client in our discretionary mandates, we had 50% in equities. So that's what we mean by neutral. For a cautious client, we would have had 25% in equities. So it's all relative to the neutral weighting for their particular risk weighting. Um, so we went into the crisis neutral because we were sort of not wildly optimistic. And essentially what we've done um, during the market declines is to, because of the market declines, we've actually ended up moving underweight because naturally the value of our equity holdings in our portfolios have fallen and that's left us underweight. And what we did do a couple of weeks ago was to rebalance, to so take our equity weightings back up towards neutral, which involved um, buying some equities. So it certainly didn't mean, you know, we're, going, we're turning bullish, we're moving overweight. All we're doing really is taking advantage of the lower prices to get back to the weighting we originally had. So that's what we mean by neutral. And at the moment, we think that is very much the best place to be positioned. Um, we could be a few weeks, a few months away from the actual bottom, 
there's still enormous uncertainty out there, as we all well know. So actually, given the price declines we've had, we think it's too late to sell, but it is equally, we think, too early to buy in size, just because there could be further falls before we see the subsequent recovery. You say there it's potentially too late to sell and we might miss the element of, of, of any bounce and recovery, which can, may come quite quickly. Um, I know that some clients have been asking the question, why didn't we have more cash in our portfolios or even 100% cash in our portfolios before this happened? So uh, maybe just a quick comment on that. Well, I think the, well, the main point there is actually this crisis has come about very, very quickly and it's got a, a lot worse um, than almost anyone expected a month ago. So with hindsight, I'd love to say we had 100% cash, we completely foresaw the crisis, and we cut back equities. Um, in practice, as I say, because this crisis has developed so quickly, um, it's been very difficult to do that. And I think we're not alone in being um, surprised by how bad it's got and how quickly it's got. Um, so... Yes, with hindsight, um, we should have been more in cash. But clearly, um, I think it's very difficult to adjust to these kind of events when they occur quite as quickly as this one has happened. And I think that's exactly the point. The, 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 the speed of the move has been very quick, uh, certainly compared to other bear markets which we've seen in the, the, uh, the past, and a 30% fall in, in, in short order. Uh, and Richard, that, that's been a question that's come up. You know, should there be not action from regulators or governments to prevent this kind of selling that we're seeing? Maybe some sort of closure of markets for a period of time, given everything that else is going on in the world, um, just to bring an element of uh, stability. Well, interestingly, that that was just the question that uh, Mervyn King, who was previously governor of the Bank of England, just the question that he was asked on the radio this morning. And I think I, I agree with him that to close uh, financial markets would cause enormous disruption, uh, would cause actually more pain in the economy uh, than, than keeping them open. Because even at these levels, of course, there are some people who do need to uh, transact in, in stocks and shares. Um, I think if, if um, the situation in the uh, equity market was to become very panicky, and I don't foresee that, but I think if it were to be very panicky, then it could be um, that the stock exchange and, and Treasury between them would decide to close the market for a very short period just to give people time to, uh, to reflect. Uh, but I don't, I don't envisage that, to be honest, and uh, I don't think if, even if it did happen, it would be a, a prolonged closure. Okay, thank you. Um, Rupert, maybe just a couple of words uh, in terms of how your investment team is keeping abreast of what's going on, um, how you're monitoring things, the, the review process you have in place, and then kind of link to that as we look forward and, and to the recovery um, time, which, which will, will come in due course. Um, are there particular areas which have more of a focus for you? Uh, a couple of questions around China seeming, seemingly getting back to an element of the normality. Um, is Asia one of those first places we may look to, um, to add exposure? Well, in terms of how we keep on top of things, um, we've got to, I mean, clearly things are very fast moving, as you say, um, but we have got sort of almost too, inf too much information coming in here. We have access to research from the sort of top, some, some of the top investment houses. We do our own, own research here. And 
since the crisis developed, um, we now have a weekly meeting of our investment policy committee. And actually, we had one this morning, which decided that essentially we will continue to maintain our neutral weighting. So very much we are monitoring this very closely. Um, as I say at the moment, the decision is not to act in any big way, um, but this could certainly change. The other key thing we do place a lot of emphasis on is not only you know, the investment strategy committee, the investment policy committee um, clearly remaining on top of the things and having a weekly meeting, but also keep having a big focus on keeping the investment managers, the wealth planners, your advisors um, in tune with what we're doing and why we're doing and how we're seeing the world. So there's a bigger emphasis on that. Um, going forward in terms of um, regions we may or may not buy into or how we might change our allocation. Um, to be honest, because we're not sort of predicting a market bottom tomorrow, it's quite difficult to say we'll be doing X, Y, or Z in a month or two's time because part of the, any decisions we make then will depend on the price moves in the meantime. But you know, one obvious question is, China and Asia, um, in that actually China has fallen back significantly less than the other markets, which is something of an irony, given that arguably China was the cause of this whole thing, or the, the virus certainly originated from China. Um, and our positioning on China, actually, within equities, we are overweight Asia and emerging markets and have been for some time, and China is a big part of that. So actually, we do have a significant exposure or significant part of our international equity holdings in that area, and particularly China. Um, we're not actually adding to our holdings in that area anymore at the moment, just because even though the news coming out of China in terms of infections is actually pretty reassuring, um, the, essentially for the last week or so, there have been virtually no new infections in China, which is fairly incredible. And um, that is certainly reassuring compared to what's going on in the rest of the world. The only provider here, and I think this will be absolutely critical in the next two or three weeks, both in terms of what happens in China, but also what happens outside China, is whether you get a second leg up in infection rates now the Chinese economy and Chinese workers are all returning to work. So the question is whether once you, as it were, you ease the containment measures, you get infection rates spiking back up. And I think sort of Western economies We'll be, take, we'll be keeping a very close eye on this because this will determine how long we have to maintain the containment measures over here and that in turn will, determine, will be a major influence on how long this recession will continue for. So bottom line is um, China, it has held up quite a lot more. If we don't get a second round of infections, then definitely China will be recovering faster than the rest of the world and we could well add to our positions there. But until we're sure that that's not going to happen, we're comfortable with how we're positioned at the moment. Great, thank you. Um, Richard, right at the beginning, you were talking about some of the actions that have been taken by governments, central banks, cuts in interest rates, uh, supportive action. We hear today about the, the return of quantitative easing. Um, could you maybe just talk a little bit more, some of the detail about what that means practically? Uh, and ultimately, do we become ever more reliant on you know, central government support to, uh, to keep economies moving? Well, we're certainly extremely reliant on government support to, uh, to keep economies oiled uh, at the moment. They are trying to ensure um, that cash flows around the economy uh, and that we don't get 
large numbers of, of company failures, bankruptcies, uh, and also um, individuals defaulting on, on their debts. They're trying to ensure that. So they, they are trying to keep things oiled. Um, of course, the, the, the other side of that is that at some stage, um, governments are going to have to um, pull back on, on, on the fiscal help, um, and that probably will mean um, that uh, taxes in some areas may have to rise for, for, for a period. Um, this, this, is, this is not going to be entirely costless, uh, the, the, this, uh, this situation. There, there will be some, some longer-term costs as, as well as the, the short-term costs that we're having to bear. Um, in terms of the, the current policy response, um, I mentioned the Bank of England cuts in interest rates. I, I don't think really that they will have very much impact um, but the, the quantitative easing, uh, that is a, a method by which um, the authorities uh, do um, improve the liquidity in, in the economy. Uh, in effect, they do um, print money. It's actually bank reserves that they create in the first place, but it, but it is akin to, uh, to, to printing money. So this, this does help the economy. Now, in the longer term, um, again, some of the quantitative easing that we've seen uh, or we're going to see come through now, and some of the quantitative easing that we saw earlier after the financial crisis may, may have to be re reversed. But I don't think that is going to happen um, before uh, the economy has, has gained a, a significant degree of strength. Okay, thank you. Um, Rupert, maybe just some final thoughts and uh, an element of positivity moving on from here. Um, well, just before we get on to that, I mean, I think one crucial thing is this crisis does highlight is the importance of diversification and the importance of being in the correct risk profile. Um, and just to give you a sort of couple of numbers to illustrate that, um, for our sort of discretionary portfolios, for our balanced investor in our discretionary portfolios, um, the portfolio is down around 15% year to date compared with around 30% for UK equities. So if you do have a properly diversified portfolio according to your risk profile, this can provide significant protection in these kind of events. It's not the case that you're, you can necessarily find um, assets which are going to do particularly well in these sort of big shocks. Even gold actually has actually gone down a bit. What you're looking for is assets which will hold their value. If they go up, that's great. What you don't want them to do is go down half as much as equities and hopefully they will also go up a bit in the good times. And that's exactly what you know, we've had in our balanced portfolio. We've had a combination of bonds, equities, and gold, um, and that has definitely provided some protection. So I think that is one sort of key lesson from um, this crisis, that you know, to, to quote the age-old phrase, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. Um, in terms of sort of big sort of messages going out from here, I think sort of our key message at the moment, if you have any kind of medium to long-term horizon, you should hold your nerve at this point. It's uncomfortable. Markets could well fall further. Um, the headlines are terrible, but these things do pass. And even with the, you know, the global financial crisis, it felt terrible at the time. It was terrible at the time. But as I say, within two or three years, actually, UK equities had actually regained all of their losses. Thank you. Any closing remarks from you, Richard? No, I, I don't think so. Um, but I think you know we, we will have the benefit of hindsight one day. 
Uh, and when we do have that, we will look at the, these markets and these events, and we'll be able to take maybe a slightly different view from the one we're taking today. And I think what we will see um, in the equity market is that actually uh, a lot of value emerged during that period. Um, and the, the key thing is going to be have to have the confidence to take advantage of that value once we see a little bit of light at the end of this tunnel. Thank you both. So I think the key message for everybody today is hold your nerves. Um, it is difficult, unprecedented times. We're seeing a lot of action, uh, but ultimately these things do move around very, very quickly. Um, as Kingswood clients, whether you're in some of our discretionary strategies we've been talking around or some of our advised investment models, we are ultimately looking to preserve the value of your assets despite what's going on and to grow them over time. Um, Next week, at the same time, we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail around some of those specific investment mandates about what we're doing, the holdings we have, and our views on them. Um, and please speak to your advisor about the discretionary offer, which is probably the easiest way for us to make changes as we feel appropriate. But thank you all for your time today. Uh, please feedback in the normal way via your advisors. And if there's anything else you'd like us to cover at future conference calls, we'll be happy to do so. Thank you all. Bye-bye.